was it bad? What was it like? Working with him, working with her. You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Hi. This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble, a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. Today, I am very excited to say that I had the good fortune to sit down with Anita Gillette. Anita Gillette is a Tony-nominated Broadway veteran who has appeared in All-American, Jimmy, Cabaret, Kelly, Chapter 2, Don't Drink the Water, Brighton Beach Memoirs, Carnival, and more. She made a big splash with the song The Secret Service in Mr. President and was awarded a theater world for Russell Patterson's sketchbook. Her equally long and lauded movie career has spanned such illustrious projects as 30 Rock, Moonstruck, and Quincy M.E. I know you'll be anxious to hear what she has to say, so without further ado, here is the episode. How did you get interested in theater first? Um, well, I, I don't really know, except in, I was a singer and, uh, I sang in my junior choir around your age, I guess I was in my junior choir at church and, uh, the choir mistress suggested that I try to take some voice lessons. So, um, I grew up in a family that didn't have very much money. So I got a job in order to pay when I was 15 oh. to pay for my voice lessons. And I worked for the fam- my family doctor. I took a course in um, medical stenography because at that point in my life, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a nurse or, or what I wanted to do. But I was leaning towards medical stuff. And I got a job indeed uh, working for my family doctor. And um, I learned medical stenography, which stood me in good stead after I graduated from high school. And then I got a job working for the Army. Uh, I lived, I come from outside of Baltimore, Maryland. And um, I got a job working in the biophysical, biophysics division uh, at the Army Chemical Center. And... Uh, and that's how I paid for all my lessons. And around the city of Baltimore, there were some groups of people um, that did shows, put on amateur productions. Mm-hmm. There was a light opera group, uh, and then there was a musical theater group called the Valley Players, and uh, there was a group that just did plays. And I joined uh, all three of those groups, and got to do some amateur theater in Baltimore while I was still in high school and after that. And that's how I got interested. So and I did not think I would come to New York at all. Oh, so then what, would, what was it that made you come to New York? A marriage. I married oh. uh, a, a PhD because uh, the, in the biophysics division, they were all MDs or PhDs, scientists, and I was always very interested in science. So mm. I, 
I used to take, in those days, uh, um, uh, you took dictation, in, and that's why I did a stenographer job. This was, we're talking in the 50s, and um, so I, um, I took a job, as I said, at the m medical laboratories, and, um, and I, I ended up, uh, I took down a lot of uh, autopsy reports on the, the uh, animals, the laboratory animals. Oh. And so I met this guy named Dr. Gillette over the uh over an autopsy actually <laughs> and um and we be, we we ended up falling in love and um and then we were going to get married and uh, we got engaged and we were going to get married and and uh he was coming to New York one day um to uh, I used to call it audition for but interview was <laughs> the right word uh, with Pfizer Chemical Corporation in Brooklyn. Oh. I came on the train with him up from Baltimore, and um, and um, I, I, I stayed in Manhattan and went to an open call for uh, singers uh, at the at a theater called the North Shore Music Theater, which I think is still in. Operation or was before this pandemic. Oh. Uh, it was called, uh, and, and a guy named Stephen Slane was the producer. And I was way too short for the chorus, but I thought I'd go in anyway. I just needed to see it was where I was. And so I ended up getting the job. Oh. And so that was what my husband to be said, well, good, you'll get this all out of your system. Because I'm ex I was just uh, auditioning for a, or interviewing for a job in Terre Haute, Indiana. Oh. And I go, what? Terre Haute, Indiana, and they're interested in you. And sure enough, he got the job. I, mm. on the other hand, did my summer away and um, uh, only succeeded in getting it into my blood instead of out of my blood. And, um, but anyway, I was set. I knew that we were going to go to Terre Haute, Indiana from the army where he had, you know, been serving his two years. And, um, so I was typing, this is, this is really what Moth Hart referred to in his book. Have you read Act One? I have. I have. Well, you remember what he talked about in Luck or Serendipity and how he doesn't mm -hmm. quite understand, didn't quite understand how it worked, but it, he was sure that it's, it's a factor in, in this business that we're in. Yeah. Well, that was my, that was something because, uh, that was what, in, in a song I do, I did in, um, when I understudy Barbara Cook in The Gay Life, uh, I did this, um, I, she had this song called Magic Moment. And that's really what I felt it was. Oh. Uh, because I typed it, I was typing the letter of acceptance. And the next thing, uh, right as before we mailed the letter, uh, he got a telegram. And it was from Cornell Medical College 
in New York City at the New York Hospital over on York Avenue in the 64th Street. Oh. 60, 63rd, that's a whole compound there. And it was a better job. And so we tore up the letter to Pfizer, or he sent a letter of apology, and he chose to go to up to New York. And that's how I ended up in New York City. Oh. going to say you won your first acclaim and theater world award for russell patterson's sketchbook but i yes. want i want to ask you about your broadway debut which was in gypsy so how did you get that job uh well because i got russell patterson's sketchbook i guess the, the, the next thing that happened to me after the 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 move to new york though was uh, this would enlighten your this this whole pathway, and I think it's something that you need to know uh, mm -hmm. that I um, I got to New York and I I worked at the I got a job across the street from Cornell at the Sloan Kettering Institute in the chemotherapy division, working for a scientist and a whole bunch of scientists from all over the world. Every, everywhere from Japan to Portugal, I worked with doctors like that. And I got to know everybody. And then, my, and then Stephen Slane called my mother down in Baltimore the next summer and said, where was I? And he asked if I would come back. And that was the big decision in, oh. my, in my marriage, whether or not to leave, to go away, to do another season of Summer Stock. And that, I got the go-ahead to do that. And you have to remember that in those days, women were supposed to stay home and have babies. Yeah. You're not supposed to, you know. That was, you're not supposed to have a career. So that was a big deal. And especially from where I came, that was important. And so I, I went back, I, and an agent saw me. She was a crippled old woman named Laura Arnold, and she asked, she saw me do a small part, which they put me in, in Roberta, and she offered to agent and represent me, and oh. then she started looking for work for me, and that's when I got hired to do Russell Patterson's sketchbook, which lasted a very short time, um, and, but, but anyway, uh, uh, that that uh, she brought people to see that, and yeah. the people that were casting when uh, Lane Bradbury left uh, Gypsy, they were looking, oh. and the, her understudy took over as Dainty June. They were looking for somebody to replace her, oh. and so that's how I got. Uh, I went in audition for Julie Stein, who said I could do either part. Either Baby June, Dainty June, or Louise. Oh, and um, that's so. That's that's it. That's how I got uh, that part. So and became a friend of Ethel Merman. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what were your interactions like with Ethel Merman and Julie Stein? Well, Julie Stein wasn't around much. Oh, but he did. He did, of course. 
always refer to me as uh, able to do. He said if they ever needed a new Louise, he would have me audition again. Oh. This time for that. I never went on. I never oh, went man. on in the understudy role. I was always just one of the Hollywood blondes. Then I got pregnant. And um, they were going to fire me. And I think I had endeared myself to Ethel Merman because I used to come down from the fourth floor or the fifth floor where the chorus dressing room was. Uh, and um, I used to watch her in the, from the wings do Rose's turn every single performance I could. Mm -hmm. I learned so much from about everything from Ethel. And, um, and then when I got pregnant, they were going to fire me. And she, she said, oh, no, 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 the kid stays in the show. <laughs> I mean, all right, so she doesn't do the split. She can still do the cartwheels. You can <laughs> still do the cartwheels, right? Yeah, you can, she can still do the cartwheels. The kid stays in the show. <laughs> and I stayed in the show till my eighth month of pregnancy. Oh, um, Yep, it was wild because I still had a waist, but I had this little football in the front. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's how that's how that went. Hmm. So um, that was so, the the beginning of it all. So and after oh. that, uh, after uh, go ahead. I was going to say what I think was after that was you understudying in Carnival for the main character of Lily. So when yeah. you when you were doing that, what was your relationship like with Anna Maria Albergetti, who played Lily? We didn't have much of a relationship. She wasn't the type of person that was easily uh, friended. Oh. We were we were chorus people. Yeah. And she was the star. And she made that very clear. So that show, I believe, you did get to go on for. So can you talk about that? That was one of the major uh, breaks in my life. Oh, well. In my career. Because um, I, uh, I was, uh, I, let's see, it's a long story. I don't know if you really want to hear all of the oh. details of that. No, I um, do. I do. If you in, well, uh, we in those days, they uh, we had David Merrick as the um, uh, the producer, as you know. Yeah. And David Merrick was quite quite a character. <laughs> he was uh, complicated and uh, mean and wonderful and excitable and mm -hmm. I don't know. He he had all, everything, but. It, First of all, he was a he was a producer, and he um, and and he had uh, he 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 didn't know much about you know the show was well underway when I went in. I didn't go in till 1960. Oh, you know, yeah. uh, in the spring, not 1959, like they say. I went into <laughs> the show because I didn't have a baby until October of '60. Hmm. So. I went into the show in like February or March of of uh, of '60, and, uh, and so we went. Uh, I had a contract uh, that was 
he didn't give me the, it was a chorus contract, pink, the color of pink. That meant you were in the chorus. If it was white, it was a, it was a principle of some sort. And if they, they had five days out of town, which was DC at the National in Washington, uh, to uh, pay me another $25 a week. I was make $175 a week for eight shows, being the understudy and one of the Hollywood blondes. The, I mean, not, uh, not the Hollywood, I'm talking about Carnival now. The Gypsy banging the tambourine. And Gower, champion, the director, was never sure of me. <clears throat> of course, when I got the job, I was still nursing my baby. And I was about, I'd say, 10 pounds overweight. Red. I, they thought I should be a redhead. All the, mm. the big, tall girls and all the showgirls on the other side. So I went in with brown hair and came out with red hair. And I kept it. And um, uh, so when we were in Washington, I we had never rehearsed. Uh, so if anything would have happened to Anna Maria Albergetti, I don't know how... The, the other understudy and I would have gone on or how I would have gone on with Jerry Orbach because they were, they were so working so hard on the show that they didn't have time to have an understudy rehearsal. So um, anyway, uh, they did not take pick up the option with five mm -hmm. days after the... the Gower just wasn't sure enough of me. And so... I, I remained on a, a two-week out. I, oh. Otherwise, I would have been on a run-of-the-play contract, and it would have been the color of white, which meant I was sort of moving up in the world. Financially, only $25 more a week, but it was meaningful, the color of the contract. Yeah. So I stayed on the pink, and I auditioned. I kept auditioning for everything I could, and I finally got a job in the gay life understudying Barbara Cook, and I actually had one number of my own and a scene of my own in the beginning of the show. And it was a different uh, um, producer, Kermit Bloomgarden, who was a natural enemy of David Merrick. And uh, I gave my two-week notice in to Carnival on a Saturday night. And on Sunday morning, Anna Maria went to the hospital. And they oh. called me and said, you're going to go on on Monday. It was right out of the movies, just like Ruby Keeler. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> so I was uh, inundated with press people. And um, David called a lot of, uh, Merrick called a lot of people, a lot of publicity people. And that Monday night, there had been in the paper an article that said, headlining, saying, tonight a star may be born. Oh. Talk about pressure. Oh, yeah. That That's... was real, real pressure. And, I mean, thank God we had had a, some rehearsal after <laughs> that. And thank God for a lovely, wonderful stagehand named Charles Blackwell, who uh, stuck with me. And, uh, you know, and really got me into uh, doing that role of Lily. And I worked with him all the time. And I used to feel ready 
because they never found another girl. Yeah. I would come to work early on a Saturday uh, to 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 rehearse because that's when they did the that's when they did the understudy rehearsals before the matinee on Saturday. So it was a long day Saturday, but I had to wait until all the people auditioning for my job finished their auditions because they wouldn't have a separate uh, piano player for the rehearsal and the auditions. Oh. So I waited there in the wings or up in my room, uh, the big room, and when they were finished auditioning people, I would go downstairs and I would work. And uh, I got quite good in the part. I lost the weight. I dyed my hair back to where the normal color was. So I didn't look, you know, uh, I looked like more like a European waif. Yeah. <laughs> because when I, when I started, I looked more like Sophie Tucker than a European waif. And uh, so I got the look and I got the part down, memorized. And so all the stagehands were on my side and they were all rooting for me backstage. I was there an hour early, oh. back there waiting in my costume. And um, I went out and that was it. I got a standing ovation. Oh, that's great. So then it was. when they asked you to take over the part full time, was that an easy decision to make? I couldn't have taken over the part full time. I never oh. took over the oh, part you didn't. full time. Bill had another job, didn't I? Yeah. And that's okay. when David Merrick lost all the charm he used to get me, you know, ready and build me up because um, I, I, I had given my notice and he didn't know that. Oh. He had not known it when he did all that. Yeah. So he got mad and then he started calling me and he said I would never work for him again. Oh. And it was quite, uh, it was quite ruthless in that pursuit. And then he called and asked, uh, I, I went away to Detroit to do the gay life. And mm -hmm. after a while, they decided there were too many women. And that part, my part, was going to be cut. Oh. And so uh, they asked me to stay and be Barbara's standby and I said no and I came back home with my tail between my legs <laughs> and my new baby and you know and my and my new nanny and we uh we traveled from Detroit back to New York and um David Merrick forgot he was mad at me and called and asked would I take over for Albert Getty's vacation oh and I did. That's when I took over for that vacation, her vacation. So they put my name over the, over the marquee, Anita Gillette in uh, Carnival. And they took pictures of me pointing to the sign. And it was all lovely until I got a bill about a month later from a sign company in Paramus, New Jersey for the sign. <laughs> So, that was Merrick, though. Yeah. That was the way he was. 
So your next show was a show that's one of my favorites of all time, All American. So how did you get that job? Auditioned. That's how I got everything. Yeah. I always had to audition. The star of that show, Ray Bolger, some people have bad opinions of him, some people don't. How was he to you? He was always nice to me. I don't think he was nice to the creators. Uh, I think that he was miscast, terribly, terribly miscast. Oh. And uh, he, you know, Mel Brooks is a farcical writer. Uh, I mean, he, he, everything he writes is about three feet off the ground. <laughs> and you have to know it's farce when you do it. I mean, here I am playing a, a girl who gets arrested for trying to climb into the boys' dormitory, <laughs> playing a nymphomaniac, you know. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but he really, Bolger, wanted to do get down with the um, the audience and do Once in Love with Amy, which uh, he made everybody, um, all the whole After Our Bows. Um, oh, yeah, after our bouts, we would have to stand there while he talked to the audience. And then they had to bend, had to know uh, uh, once in love with Amy, which had nothing to do with what we were doing. Yeah. And we, we had to stand there till we finally had to sign a petition to be let go of, from that. Oh. And that's how we got out of that. But it was a good thing, and because we did it at the Winter Garden, um, we it didn't run very long. That the oh, building yeah. that we did it in over the Winter Garden, there was Irving Berlin's offices. And oh. what I didn't know was at the time, uh, Irving Berlin was uh, casting Mr. President, oh. his last Broadway show, and. Uh, he used to come down Wednesday matinee and watch me when I did my big number, Nightlife. Oh. Yeah. So then that's how you think he thought of you for Mr. President? Uh-huh. So, so what was it like to work with the very talented writing team and cast of that show? To me. Although I, I, I adored them all. Yeah. And was very grateful to them. And Mel Brooks, uh, you know. Uh, he, he, we became friends, and I always loved his work. I mean, he was very funny. Mm. Uh, so uh, Eileen Hurley, I didn't know very well. But, you know, during the run, of course, we all got to know each other. That the theaters, especially when you're out on the road trying out a show, they become uh, your, your family. So you were mentioning that it didn't run as long as it deserved to? So do you think, what do you think was the reason for that? People didn't like it. Yeah. They didn't, uh, they didn't like, uh, they didn't believe it. And that was uh, a lot to do with, um, with Ray, I guess, because, as I said, he was not playing farce. Yeah. It, he wanted it to be real, you know. Uh, he wanted to get down with the audience and, you know, and approach them. And this was all of us. I mean, 
Fritz Weaver was a wonderful actor who all but twirled his mustache, you know, as the villain of the piece. And, you know, I, I played a nymphomaniacal co-ed and Ron Huseman, you know, fainted. And it was just, I mean, it, it was it was silly the way, well, if you look at Mel Brooks and you know what what it was like, it had all those elements, which we couldn't really, we really use. And then Josh Logan was directing it and he was going through a crisis uh, physically, mentally, because he was bipolar and and that was before he was medicated for it. And so he was going off his rocker at that point. Uh-huh. So the whole thing was a mess, just a mess. Yeah. So you were talking about it was this show that Irving Berlin saw you in. So I want to ask you about Mr. President, which was your next show. Was your relationship always good with Irving Berlin? It was, it was pristine. It um, was best relationship. We became very good friends. And um, even after the show closed, uh, it ran nine months. And uh, it, was a, it was a lovely, a lovely uh, uh, relationship. He was a, a bit of a depressive but um, uh, and and he liked the, 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 his secretary would would call me and say he's a little down today. Do you think he could come over and cheer him up? Because oh. I used to tell him silly jokes, <laughs> jokes that my kids would bring home from school. You know, yeah. like, uh, you know, and we 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 just used to have fun. We talked about everything. We would both loved to fish. I used to go fishing with my children all the time. I do sons, and um, I love to do that, fish with them. And I still yeah. like to fish, but um, don't do it much anymore. Um, anyway, uh, I, I had a great time doing Mr. President. Met yeah. a lot of people and um, became, as I say, very good friends with Irving Berlin. And that was... Uh, it's a big, big um, relationship in my life, and uh, I did a show, a, a cabaret show about him. Oh, me and Mr. B, I called it. Oh, that's right. I did hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. So not long ago. One big thing that happened during Mr. President was out of town. The real president at the time, JFK, came to see it. So what was that like? Well, he didn't show up for the first act. Jackie was there, but he wasn't. And all the eyes in the theater, of course, were on that box. Uh, And, of course, the detail of Secret Service men, you know, having a president in a box ever since Lincoln got shot in one, I guess they're all very nervous about presidents (laughs) showing up at uh, at theaters, you know. Yeah. Um, So it, it, it was... You know, it it was it was um, it was wonderful. We didn't meet him until the, there was a big dinner that night, and he did attend that. But they say he was there for the second act. So um, I don't know. So but it was uh, it was it was nice. Yeah. So in Mr. President, there was a cast of stage stars like you and Nanette Fabre and also movie stars like Robert Ryan. 
So was that ever an issue or was it peaceful? Peaceful. Yeah. Peaceful. Yeah. I don't think there was ever any issue. I loved the way Bob Ryan did Lonely in the White House. And he was very presidential. And of course, when Mr. B wrote the uh, the the uh, musical, uh, he had JFK in mind, and uh, Bob Ryan was a wonderful actor, and uh, and that's the, that's what he wanted. Uh, Irving Berlin wanted that. Oh. And uh, he and and Nanette was not pleased with um, Bob Ryan, but. Uh, I think they ended up, you know, being okay together, liking each other. Yeah. But uh, in a book, I guess, uh, I was a little upset when I read uh, parts of, a, of, of uh, I don't remember whether it was Thousands and Thousands Cheer, as Thousands Cheer, but they interviewed Nanette and... Uh, Oh. She did not say nice things about Bob Ryan, which I resented. Mm. I thought she was absolutely wrong. Mm. That's my take on it. So you, there was friction uh, in that situation, but... Yeah. So you had the big breakout hit of that show, which was The Secret Service Makes Me Nervous. So this is something I want to ask you. Big, say that word again, the big what? Oh, breakout, breakout hit of that show. Ah! Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was a breakout hit. <laughs> yeah. So is this a point in your career where you feel it was another sort of landmark? I guess. I mean, it's a song people remember me for. Yeah. The Secret Service. And uh, and I have to sing it all the time. Not yeah. in my, you know, in my... Uh, I. I, I I never think of that as except a funny little, you know, throwaway tune. But everybody else seems to think of it as something like you said the word breakaway. I, anyway, it was a good, nice song and funny, and I love being funny. Yeah. That's my forte, or forte, as some people say. This is sort of a theme in your career, I think, is that you've had a lot of standout numbers. So how do you sort so of like... how do you sort of make a number a standout? I don't think of him as anything but part of what the character is doing. Yeah. I always try to incorporate the songs into my character because uh, you start singing when you can't talk anymore. Song really should e evolve from the script and from the course of the show. Here's a place where, oh, my God, you can't say anything. He's got to sing it. <laughs> yeah. That's the way. That's what I think of musicals because I I really, I wanted to be, you know, uh, I wanted to act. And so I had to stop singing for quite a while in order to be thought of as an actress because mm -hmm. in those days also, if you were a singer, female especially, and you were also a soprano, you were already labeled singer, non-actor. Oh. You could not act. You know, uh, they were always willing for actors to try to sing, since Rex Harrison and My Fair Lady. 
which, by the way, uh, was my favorite show to do, which I did in Summer Stock for a three-month run with the Harrison's, Rex Harrison's standby, Michael Allenson, which oh. is really where I learned to act. I'll just get that in while I'm thinking of it. Yeah. So, But I never think of the, the song, per se, as a, how to sell it. I just act it. That's all. As part yeah. of what my character is thinking. So the next show you did was not as successful. It was Kelly, which is about... Um, <laughs> yeah. So... The three songs, shows you've said so far weren't really successful. They were all flops. But Kelly was the biggest flop yeah. that I did. Go ahead. Out of Town with Kelly, there was sort of a vicious article published about it. So did you feel sort of like betrayed by that or... Of course, I'm sure you've read articles about that, haven't you? Yeah. So, of these shows that you said weren't as successful, these last three, did you sort of have faith in all of them, or were you maybe expecting them to oh, be? Oh, you always, you have to have faith, because yeah. you put so much time and energy into it, and you you make yourself believe that it's going to be wonderful. And uh, sometimes, even if you get audiences that approve and you feel very good when you go home at night after a performance, you also know that uh, as far as other shows go, you know, and and you see shows opening with reviews that are great, you you know that this what you've got is not going to be uh, it's not going to be reviewed well, and that's very important. Yeah. Um, so we didn't. The thing about it was in Kelly, they, you know, they, uh, David Susskind and Daniel Melnick, uh, who were not mostly theater producers, oh. uh, they hooked up with uh, Joseph R. Levine, who was a movie guy, and um, they were TV. Melnick was a movie guy, but uh, Susskind was more TV than anything, and uh, uh, and we we didn't, it was just that Levine got out, Joseph Levine said, this is, this is Boston, and I get off here, I'm not oh. coming back, and so he pulled out, and that was, uh, that was the real, you know, real uh, end of our show, yeah. and they had, they, they uh, banned the writers, uh, Moose and uh, Charlap and, and Eddie, um. and they would get into disguises and show up when we were out of town. And they had writers uh, in every, that they would get comedy writers. I think they even had Mel Brooks come in and stay oh. in some hotel in Philly when we were there and in Boston. And we would get scripts that didn't, you know, we would try things and it didn't relate to the rest of the show. It was God awful. Yeah. It really was. Uh, it was murder to, to get on stage every night with that. And then we opened and closed, you know, on the same night. Yeah. It was, it was, and then on Monday, uh, they uh, told us to come to work. And uh, we all showed up um, while Susskind did yet another speech with all the cats sitting mm -hmm. in the audience. Uh, Wilfred Bramble didn't 
have to be there because he was on his way back to London and uh, um, and so but the the rest the bulk of the cast was back Um. and um, so they they just had to and you could see they were tearing down the set they -hmm. were hauling away the costumes in front of your eyes and there stood with his back to the stage and his mouth open to the cast in the in the house <laughs> giving yet another speech it was just it was a nightmare actually a nightmare yeah did you have any good relationships among the cast or was it just too sort of stressful well no you you still have relationships with the the cast there were always people that you could you know stick with and uh and you know, Don Franks was a strange guy and used to run around with a book that he used to draw in and write about you. If you'd say something he liked, he would write it in a book and you'd think, what the hell is he doing? I, I, he was he was strange. He ended up in a, you know, he's, he was Canadian and uh, he went back to Canada and I, I heard he was living in an igloo or, a, you know, a, a tent, and, you know, one of those. Oh. Wigwam in in the Indian territory, married an Indian girl, I think, American Indian. So you were talking so, about the reviews for this show being not so great. What's your opinion they were on horrible? Re- not yeah, just yeah, not uh-huh. so great. <laughs> so <laughs> they were absolutely disgusting. I can't quote them to you. You'd have to look that up. That's yeah, some research you should do sometime. Because it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, one review said a bad idea gone wrong. <laughs> Says it all. So, you um, what's your opinion on reviews? Do you think that they matter more than they should, or? It's it was it's built in to this um, to this yeah. it, it's built in. Uh, and the New York Times has always had this huge uh, responsibility. And if you don't get the Times, then in all my days in the theater uh, of Broadway back then, it, you really needed to get the Times review. You couldn't survive if you didn't. Um. And we needed to to do that. And I guess that uh, when there's... Of course, they chose... They, in those days, they... They had normal prices for theater tickets, not like what they do now. I mean, the price of tickets now is so ridiculous that yeah. I, I, I've i lost complete faith in what they, you know, what happens. Is it, most people can't afford to go to the theater. When the tickets are 175 that's a cheap ticket. Yeah. You, you can't. That's I mean, true. a lot of people don't have that kind of money. Yeah. And I tell you the truth, unless unless it's a you know hot ticket, then which would cost even double that. I don't want to see it myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I don't like the way uh, some of these new shows are. I've seen a bunch, and I don't like the music as much. I mm. love David Yazbek stuff. Oh, so do I. I really love him, um, but they're not any, you know, melodies the way I like. 
And I know mm-hmm. I'm old-fashioned, but I really, I, I resent not, not being able to follow a song well yeah. or get thrilled by it when I'm in the audience. And uh, there's reasons why Phantom has lasted or why, you know, shows run a long time. The music and the lyrics say something and mean something and affect you. Music is just a bunch of notes unless the words give you the feeling. And the two combined are it's what makes, a, makes it happen to you as an observer and a listener. Yeah. You know, you, I don't think you can have one thing without the other in musical comedy. I really don't. And mm-hmm. that's what I find. There's a lot of rhythm and a lot of scenery, but not a lot of feeling. Yeah. In a lot of musicals nowadays. So the next show you had done on Broadway after Kelly was not a musical, but it was a play by Woody Allen called Don't Drink the Water. So what was it like to work with Woody Allen before he was that famous? He was pretty famous when we worked together when I did that. Yeah. He, everybody knew who Woody Allen was. And, Mm. um, I played the ingenue in that. I didn't get any laughs, really, but I learned a lot from Kay Medford, who played my mother. She was brilliant. Oh. Her stuff, the things she did, I thought, wow, that's, that's it. That's <laughs> where her mind goes. That's it. And that's what made me want to be do comedy the way I know it and stop being, you know, soprano <laughs> I wanted to be. I liked what Kay Medford did. Oh. And um, I did get to play her role in Bye Bye Birdie much later, you know, oh. uh, up in uh, in uh, north of here, north of Boston, yeah. But do south you... South of Boston, I guess, north of Boston. Yeah. Most, most of your stage shows have been musicals, but some have been plays. Which do you prefer? Well, I won my Tony nomination for a straight play. That's true. Chapter two. And uh, I really enjoyed myself doing that. It was yeah. n- new for me. And I, uh, I, I, in the 70s, I sort of stopped doing musicals. I mean, I didn't really, I wanted to do straight plays. And uh, I was lucky that I got chapter two and and then um, I loved doing Don't Drink the Water. I wish I would have had more of the funny stuff, but um, I learned from all those wonderful actors, Lou Jacoby and Kay Medford and yeah. uh, Tony Roberts was my, uh, you know, and then we did their playing our song together, Tony Roberts and I. Um, so... I, I, I didn't, uh, anyway, I got to do my check off, not in New York, but, you know, in Ohio at Cleveland. And I try, I never done Shakespeare. That, I probably mm. never will get to do that. Um, Is, but I still work and I'm, yeah, you know. Yeah, you do. I, uh, I do each. cabaret stuff now. Is Shakespeare something you would want to do? Um, sure, if I could. I mean, my friend Pat Carroll ended up doing um, Shakespeare 
she played a, a man's role. She played Falstaff, you know? uh-huh. and so she was. She she did that with uh, the group, the Shakespeare group run by Khan down in uh, Washington. Uh-huh. Uh, I forgot what they were called, but uh, the director and, and the, the forming uh, who formed the group was his last name was Khan, and she uh, got to play. Uh, that down there and she's played the nurse before but I didn't look really character enough I was too cute I have a I'm short and round and have a nice face and everybody you know um, they hire me I'm too cute that's all yeah I think your next show was when you you came into something that was already a hit which was cabaret so is Sally Bowles is a big a giant role and it must have been a taxing giant. was it taxing it really for you? Was. Yeah. It was it was it was one of the most difficult things I ever had to do because I was a soprano and she did not she can't be soprano and sing that stuff. Also you 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 know uh, there was the dilemma of whether or not to sing it well. Because oh, I think the way Jill Haworth stayed in the show or was hired for the show, because how Prince felt it should be more real, to, uh, re, real, and uh, Sally Bowles, the character, was not really a good singer. She just existed. She was yeah. a Mayfair girl, wanted to, you know, be bad and, <laughs> you know, like with what they what was going on in berlin in those days and um she was she got this job but she was not a particularly good singer and there was that which i certainly could have played uh however if you get in the show and the number and you and you you have the scene where he slaps you because you're going to get an you got an abortion, you know. The the thing before it about thinking about the when you go to sing the the song of the big number, you know. And you, I don't you know you probably never in the original you've seen so many different versions of it. Um, yeah. I did the the one that was in the book, you know. The that was the closest one. Uh, I mean, not not the not the play because we never played Cliff as a as a homosexual. Yeah. We played him as a love interest, and um, but that book was uh, the first book they did for that show, and um, and I don't see how you could be in that gorgeous gown with that incredible orchestration to that incredible big song. And have people have in their ears Liza Minnelli's, you yeah. know, version of it, and with that big voice, and then not sing it well. It it just it's impossible. It was it was set up that way, and so I delivered. Um, yeah. And a lot of people, you know, not a lot, but there are people that think we should have been true to the the story and not made her sing as well as she did as when I did it or when Penny did it, I guess. 
Penny didn't take it over. She did it a lot, but yeah, uh, she was a standby, and Jill mm-hmm. was gone, was out a lot. Oh, but I took it over and I played it for two years. Oh, that's great. So, and then also when you came in, did you get a lot of direction? And was it from Hal Prince, or sometimes I know it's the like the assistant director, if you... uh, store stage manager. Oh. Yeah, uh, I got Hal came around. Uh, in the beginning, but uh, uh, Fred Ebb's boyfriend Eddie put me into it. Oh, that was he. He was a stage manager then, and he um, he was the one who put me in. And Larry Kurt, do you know who Larry Kurt is? Yeah, I do. Was yeah, Larry and I went in together, so we oh. were a team. Yeah. So Bert Convey left and. And Jill Haworth left, and Larry and I came in together. So generally, when you come into a show, how much of the work, you were saying the stage manager put you in, but how much of the sort of character work do you find you have to do on your own? All of it. All of it. Basically. They just give you the moves. Yeah. And you have talks with with Hal, and you've done all your reading, and you've seen the show, and you've you know, you know where they're going, but every actor is has her or their her, his own individual take, yeah. and uh, nobody is absolutely alike. They could be close, but they're not really alike. Everybody is unique. Yeah, that's true. So the next, so you either have it or you or you've had it, as <laughs> they say in Gypsy. So the next show you did was Jimmy, in which you had the song OG, which I love. Thanks. So I believe that there's a story behind how that song got created. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a fill-in for a, a, a scenery that didn't, that didn't go well. The projections didn't go very well. They, did this, they just weren't working. And so it was the opening night in Philly, and it was like... I don't know, two hours before curtain and the, oh. the, pro- the projection stopped working and they really needed it to cover the scene. So uh, Joe Anthony came running to me with this song in his hand that, that Pat and, 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 and uh, her husband had gotten out of a trunk. And uh, I'm sure that's where it came from. Uh, and, oh. and, uh, and, and they, they, Said you're going to have to do this in one to cover the the set change because we need oh. we need something to cover it and these these projections are not working so yeah. that's what um, that I had to learn that and I held the music and pretended I was auditioning because I played a chorus girl at Texas Guinan's nightclub oh and so they I I just um, and so I, I had to do the song well enough, and they, and the orchestra just played along. I don't know whether it was just a piano. They all joined in, you know. Yeah. And because um, maybe they had the orchestrations too. I don't know. But we, but I, that's, and he said, just act nervous. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was funny. Uh, so, but they liked it so much. They kept it in the show. So. Yeah. That's, and I'm glad because I use it all the time. 
It's such a nice up number. It is. So you've done a lot of shows that have done tryouts and have had big changes during tryouts. What's your opinion on tryouts in general? I think you, it's invaluable to, uh, it was anyway, to go out of town. Uh, first of all, when you're not in New York, you feel safer and you take chances. Yeah. So if you, you know, like the director, like Josh Logan was the kind of director, he was brilliant, but he was crazy, you know, because of his disease of, uh, you know, bipolar disorder. And he would send you out, which is what I call, send you out on the outer limbs of a, of a tree. But then he would send you out so far you felt so disconnected from the trunk that you didn't, mm. you were doing shit out there, excuse my French, oh. stuff, you know, up there that was brilliant. But yeah. then you needed to be it, it part of the show. It couldn't be just a, you know, like like he did with let Ray Bolger do all kinds of weird stuff that had nothing, nothing to do with the spine of the piece. And so it was out of place. And so when you're out of town, you are... They, you can experiment, and you go find these things, and then you have to marry them to the piece that you're doing. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But that's why they call it trying out. Yeah. And I, I think that I would miss that if I were going to be doing a, a Broadway show again. I really would. Yeah. I think that it's important to be allowed to to go to those places except in front of critics and they they come all the time they don't necessarily wait until it's you're ready to open if you're in previews you're fair game yeah and i think that's wrong i i really do i think it's wrong but um if they didn't allow them in i i guess when people go to previews and also, they shouldn't charge the same money for previews. Yeah, that's because it's still being tried out. Yeah, you don't know whether you're going to end up with that, and um, and then it just goes all wild. <laughs> people are all already all trying all their different things, or they get bored. Like Elaine Stritch used to get bored, and she'd just think up whatever <laughs> she wanted to do that night. And the poor person playing opposite her had to deal with it. Yeah. And same thing with uh, uh, um, uh, Cloris Leachman. Oh. When I did Showboat, she's like that too. She does her own thing, you know. Yeah. And and God help the people that are working with her. <laughs> I don't respect actors like that. Yeah. Now, if they're doing a solo show, I think it's brilliant. But not when you have people you are. It's called dialogue, not monologue. That's true. So, so on Jimmy, the creative team was mostly sort of new people, like not as much veterans. So do you think that that hurt the success of the show? Or I thought the music was great, and they were the people that nobody knew. Oh. I yeah. mean, J Joe Anthony was well-known. Yeah. And Leland Hayward was a big name oh, in producing, me. you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that the, the, the writers, the, the composer and lyricist, the 
married couple, uh, Patty and Bill. Uh, they were they were new, but I liked what they did. Yeah. I love. Uh, Will you think of me tomorrow? I love that. I love that whole album. Yeah. I think the music is good. I loved on Riverside Drive and Life is a One-Way Street. Mm. I loved I loved some of those things. Yeah. So yeah, I I I I don't know. It just didn't but you see we had another um we had a Jack Warner who was a movie guy and thrilled with uh, um, Gorshin's uh, improvs and mostly mm-hmm. of Jimmy Cagney. And Jimmy Cagney was a real love of 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 Jack Warner. Oh. And when when Frank came in and did his imitation of Cagney. He was sold, and he was the money guy. So even though nobody wanted him, because the real mayor of New York, you know, Jimmy Walker, was suave and smooth and a real dresser. He was never low life, ever, ever. His cronies might have been, but he was above it all. He he wore Mm. his spats, and he dressed well and he you know he was he was really yeah real smooth guy not not all you know eh, kind of guy that that he never did that yeah. and so maybe there were people that didn't like that or they didn't like the book i don't know mm. so in um, in your whole career what shows have been some of the most fun creative teams to work with either writers or directors well, it's very hard to pick out anybody in particular, yeah. I think, because they all important in my life, and I don't think I would ever, you know, I've met a lot of people, as I say, like Michael Allenson in My Fair Lady, which to me is the, the most perfect musical comedy ever written. Yeah. That's what I think. And I never did any Sheldon and uh, Jerry Bach uh, musicals that that they all went, except in stock. I did She Loves Me for the Kenley players. I've done a lot of these things that they wouldn't give me originally. I was always too short for a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) I was... Yeah, I'm only five foot. I was five foot two then. I'm just five foot one now, blocks an inch. But I, I never got. I wouldn't have gotten uh, Fair Lady in any of the tours they did. I mean, of the replacements they did on Broadway, because I could never be in that that outfit and become what what he's made her. At the very end, at the top of the stairs, which they used to have. Now yeah. she walks in the last one. She walked in from the wings. It was so stupid. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. That's why I won't go see re- revivals. Yeah. I mean, the whole show is about converting this flower girl, <laughs> you know, Cockney, into a princess and a woman of the world. And she meets him toe to toe after he's created her. And there's this vision with making an entrance from the top of the stairs and 
God, it's amazing. It's really an amazing moment. And now she just walks in from mm. the stage right. It's so yeah. on. But but um, you know those people had created all that before I did the show, and uh, we had to be inventive when we were doing it in summer stock, especially when we were doing it in the round. And I had to come down an aisle, you know, or something, and and show up that way because there were you had to run up and down aisles all the time for those outdoor circus things, those tents. Um, yeah. But I, I certainly, you know, I, I loved, uh, you know, uh, uh, Charles uh, 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 Strauss and Lee Adams from All American, and I, I certainly, and I loved Josh. He was wonderful to me. Yeah. Uh, except that he went, la la, do lally. Or whatever, mm. and uh, um, we couldn't. I never befriended uh, him. But the most important man was uh, um, uh, 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 was Irving Berlin. And yeah. if you look at what he's written, all the incredible amount of music he's done um, and lyrics, and, and the simplicity. Simplicity, you know, is really that's the jewel. Yeah. Uh, a solitaire diamond is so exquisite. And if you pile up a lot of diamonds around it, you know, and you and you don't see the simplicity of that big single one, you know, it's it and that's what he does so well. It's it's simple. And that's really yeah. hard, but it's the most beautiful is the simplicity of it. That's don't cool. muddy it up with a lot of gestures or you know what I mean yeah that's what I think so another sort of legend of the theater who you worked with on your next three and last three so far Broadway shows was Neil Simon so what was your relationship yeah. like with him very good very good mm. we had a lovely relationship uh, and he loved what I did and he came into my dressing room the night before we, the Tonys, and he said, Anita, if my name were Harold Pinter, you would be winning this Tony tomorrow. But mm. I'm afraid to tell you I don't believe you will because my name is Neil Simon. And at that point, he had never won a Tony. Oh, really? All the work. Wow. Yeah. And he finally won it for, I think, Brighton Beach. Yeah. So of all, uh, of all those three Neil Simon roles that you did, which do you think you sort of enjoyed the most in Brighton oh, Beach? Chap chapter two, the, yeah. it was, that was it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing that you sort of enjoy originating more than coming into a show? Yeah. I mean, normally, that's what I, I, I would... That, that's what I would enjoy more than than anything because you get yeah. to create it. And then everybody else has to put their take on it. When I came into, when I took over in, you know, in uh, um, uh, Carnival, I had a take. I mean, I was, 
really strictly directed, you know, yeah. but I had my own things that I learned what to do, um, and I looked my own way, and I certainly didn't, you know, I didn't get skinny like a waif-like person, but I did look the part, you know. Yeah. I felt like I, I did that, and um, and he didn't want an accent. He just wanted something that appeared uh, foreign, mm. and uh, there were certain words you could use here and there that make you sound like you came from another country. Yeah. Uh, and I, I enjoyed that. Um, but I like, uh, I've, I've been, I, let's just say I've enjoyed my career. I, I, I didn't, uh, and roles I originated, uh, I never saw some of the, the roles of the plays yeah. or the musicals of the things I did uh, outside of New York or, you know, in, in the, in, I never saw, I, I, I did showboat and on a long tour, nine months, I was out on showboat and that became a real wonderful family. Mm. We were gone so long. We went mm. everywhere. And, and my granddaughter got to play the role when we were in Seattle. Oh, that was really? really? That was great. Yeah. That was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. She had to audition for it. She was scared. But I said, how did you feel? She said, oh, Grandma, I was so nervous before I was going on. But then as I got out there, I was just fine. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you got the bug, baby. <laughs> so anyway, there were things I, I always enjoyed uh, what I was doing, even when I was in a flop. I must say yeah. Kelly was uh, difficult, but um, some of the others were, you know, a lot of hard work, but it was worth it. It really was. I don't regret yeah. anything I've ever done, really. So before I ask you about your sort of post-Broadway theater career, I want to ask you about, well, I know you mostly from your theater career, but other people do from your movie and TV career, which is equally yeah. long and amazing. So... Maybe your most famous movie is Moonstruck, which you did with... Absolutely. Yeah. So how did yeah. you come to do that movie? You... Um, well, I was doing... Because um, I need, needed the money. I had to put my kids... needed. I needed to put my kids in private school. And I wasn't working. So I needed to, uh, to, to make money. And I... Uh, uh, agreed to do a role on Search for Tomorrow, which would be a long run. The character was going to, you know, be, a, she was a lounge singer named Wilma. She wore a lot of fuzzy stuff and feathers everywhere. She, and I made her from Baltimore, which is where I was from. And they, and I gave her my Baltimore accent, which is, it could be real funny, you know, on everything is like, uh, it's like Cockney, actually. Both Palmer, and um, so uh, I um, I played I, I played a, a Wilma, and um, then they were going to do this. They, they 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 my agent said, "You are you working on this such and such a day?" Because they want to see you for this movie. It's a small part, but they Norman Jewison wants to see you. Oh. I said, sure. 
I said, but I'm working in the morning. I have to be at work at 6.30. And I borrowed the outfit that I was wearing that day. And they let me take it home, and I wore it to the audition. It was oh. in the... In the, uh, the uh, this. Uh, Joan Collins was in it. Dynasty, yeah. Oh, I, I, the reason I get it mixed up is because my 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 uh, partner of eighteen years is a Brit, and he always calls it Dynasty. It's, oh. it's <laughs> Dynasty, uh, and 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 so they they made this thing with a lot of cleavage. It was a little suit, tight skirt with a little slit up the back, and high heels, and a little fascinator hat on top. And but very low in the front with a push-up bra, and I wore that to the audition. And I walked in the room, and Norman Jewison yelled out, "You got the job!" <laughs> so I went. I laughed. We laughed. We laughed. I said, "Sure, <laughs> we'll <laughs> see." Anyway, uh, I did. I got the job. Yeah. And um, I was concerned. I remember during the filming when. Uh, they put on that Angora sweater for that dinner scene uh, that where he gives me the bracelet. And uh, I thought, this thing, Angora, fuzzy Angora sweater, is going to make me look huge. And, I w- and Theoni Aldridge says, go talk to Norman about it. Oh. And I went to Norman and I said, Norman, you know, this fuzzy theater, I mean, sweater, is going to make me look fat. And he says, honey, I want you to look like an overripe cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And that worked. And they loved it. So that, that was my look. So, no, I enjoyed doing that. And yeah. it turned out to be one of the biggest uh, things that people know me from that all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So you worked with Cher on that movie, but you've also worked with a lot of other movie stars, including Bill Murray. So how do you find that movie yeah. stars are different from Broadway stars? They're not. They're, They're actors. Not. They're just actors. They're not different. No. Uh-uh. I mean, they all love to do theater. You know, Bill Murray's one of the funniest guys I ever met. Yeah. He's hysterical. He just off the set. And you can't stop laughing. I mean, here you've got lines to do, and he's making you laugh. And I said, stop it. I can't be laughing now. I've got to be serious. He's he's wonderful. Uh, Yeah, and Burt Lancaster, he was a great, great guy. But we did theater together, too. I mean, we we didn't do a movie together. We did um, Knickerbocker Holiday at the Music Center. And I did the Great Waltz, you know, the, at the, the L.A. Music Center. Yeah. And that was on, I think, on either Capitol or RCA, I think Capitol Records. I did, and that was a recording I'm very, very proud of. Mm. And people don't know it anymore, but it was a wonderful, if you ever get a chance, listen to it. It's I will. It's a Great Waltz mm. with uh, Gene Fenn, Giorgio Tazzi, uh, uh Anita Gillette, and Frank mm. Peretta. Um, it was, it was wonderful. So have all so all the movie stars you've worked with have been gracious. They have, they have. Uh, I've not had any problems with um, any of the the you know the, the movie stars that I worked with. They're, they've been all sorted down to earth and and very easy to be around. 
I, I don't know. I've never worked with some of the ones I hear are difficult, but yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I really, um, I had no problem working with. I mean, Nanette was, you know, she was from California, Nanette Febre. Yeah. Um, and uh, but she was okay, uh, and I didn't, you know, I, I had a lot of friends in that in that show. Um, and, uh, Mr. B being the main one, <laughs> but, um, I, I didn't, I've, I don't think I've regretted working with any of them. Yeah. So I done a lot of TV, but it didn't work all of it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've done pilots and then we, we make the pilot cells and, and then the next thing you know, we were canceled. Yeah. Um, so, so otherwise, I'd be a very, very wealthy woman today. <laughs> but I'm so, not. So what do you think you enjoy more or so, is better about doing TV or movies than theater? I don't know. It's They're just two different things, but they're all jobs. Yeah. Uh, the money is one thing, although they pay me very well for showboats. Thank God, uh, upped my pension in equity, oh. so that's nice. If theater ever gets back to work, I I won't worry about whether they're going to reduce my pension or not. I'm scared to death they will, because yeah. if we don't start working again, we're going to lose our unions. And with the new uh, government in, if the Trump wins, where unions are doomed, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, they don't like unions. They're very. Uh, yeah. conservative and I really don't have a lot of respect for Neither. unions for them. Neither do I. Gonna, yeah. They'll break our unions. Uh, um, but no, i tell you the truth. I really, I don't think I've met anybody that was so stuck up that I couldn't get along with them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm well, lucky that way. Yeah. So one thing you did during your early career was, while you were on Broadway, you did some game shows, like What's My Line? So was that oh, something? All the game shows. I yeah. did all the game shows. Yeah. yeah. That, that, uh, that also fed my after a pension. And mm-hmm. it also got my name around a lot more than just theater. So I, 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 fame, you know, in this country at least, is very important. Yeah. I don't get it, but it it is, you know. If they have a choice of a name that people is on the on the lips of everybody in the world, then you get the job. Period. Whether you're good or you're bad. Yeah. They just how you look at those Kardashian people. Jeez, Nettie. It's true. They make zillions of dollars all because, you know, I don't know if that or their father hadn't taking care of the, you know, what's his name, the fighter. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, um, Simpson. Yeah. That's, okay. Isn't that his name? Yeah. Yeah, O.J. Yeah. So, O.J., yeah. Yeah, so game shows was something that you liked doing in your early career? I did. I enjoyed it. I don't like the stupid ones as much as I like the ones you have to think. Yeah. I like Pyramid. I like Password. I liked What's My Line because it was fun. 
people and fun, you know, being on. And I got to meet all those people, you know. And yeah. uh, it was it was good for me to meet them all and feel I was part of the gang. Uh, so, but I don't like the stupid ones where you have to mm. make up dirty jokes to be funny. I don't, I think, you know, Gene mm. Rayburn used to drive me crazy on Match Game. He said, make it, it's not dirty enough. I mm. said, I'm sorry, but I don't care about it. <laughs> I don't want to make up innuendos, yeah. dirty innuendos. You can do that, Gene, but I don't <laughs> want to do it. No. So- Didn't like it. Another one of your famous roles this time on television was playing Jack Klugman's wife on Quincy M.E. So was that another pleasant experience? Absolutely. I, I worked with Jack and Gypsy. Yeah. You know, he true. was, that goes back that far. Yeah. Are there? That was. Oh. Hmm? I was going to ask, are there certain people who you've worked with, who you've worked with a lot throughout your career? I can't really say yeah. anymore. I never worked with Bob Ryan again, but we remained friends. And of course, Irving Berlin, and um, you know, I, I I was in a lot of flops, as you know. So a lot of those friendships get lost as years go by. Yeah, you have to remember, I'm not a young chick anymore. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm into my eighties. So it's uh, I I don't I know that uh, I used to I kept up with Burt Lancaster, but we never did a movie. But with that Knickerbocker holiday experience, bonded us for a while. Yeah. And I was around for a long time with him, and when I lived in California, but I hated California. Oh. I really did. I didn't like it at all. Um, not my thing. Yeah. So. I came east, um, but I'm still friends with, uh, you know, some of the kids in the chorus that I knew. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, I, I feel, I, I don't, you know, when they, and everybody's going, I guess, you know, dying, I mean, yeah. so that's hard that's to true. deal with, but. Jack was a really good friend, and I, I stayed friends with Ethel for a while, but oh. not not really. You know, we yeah. weren't we didn't go out to lunch together. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I got to know Yip Harburg, and that's my next. If I get to do another cabaret show, I'm going to make it about Yip. Oh, because <laughs> he oh. he wrote the most incredible songs. You know. Yeah. He was. You know him, right? Yeah, I do. I do. Another big show you did, which was 30 Rock, as Tina Fey's oh, yeah. mother you played. So was that another fun thing to do, to be of honest? Of course. Are you kidding? Yeah. What wouldn't be great about Tina Fey? That is like, a, a, that's pure gold. Yeah. She's wonderful. I was nominated, I was going to get receive a, a Lifetime Achievement Award from Mac, and she was going to come and give it to me in March. The oh. end of March. She oh, was going to really? come to the place and give and present me my award, and it got all. That's the biggest regret I have about this oh. stupid pandemic. Yeah. Anyway, no, she's a great gal. She's wonderful. Yeah. I adore her. 
Yeah. And then just the very last thing I want to ask you is, when theater does come back, what kind of things do you think you'll do or would you want to do? I really don't know. I doubt that I'm going to get to do much more theater. Mm. I wouldn't mind a, a, a musical role like, you know, playing the mother in, you know, My Fair Lady, but that's been done and done. Yeah. I don't think I like the the kind of music that I, it, it's just bang, 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 bang. I don't mm. like that stuff. I can't. If it doesn't have a melody, I'm not going to want to sing it. Uh, plays, I, I could do. I could still do plays, and I could still do eight a week. But, you know, you get... Um, you get tired of it. Really, what I'd love to do uh, right now would be to get on one of these, um, you know, the, the they shoot so many uh, things for Netflix or Hulu yeah. or Amazon here, and I haven't gotten a running role in any of them. Then that's that's what I'd love to do to have a kind of oh. running role in something and not a soap, but. Uh, yeah. of one of the new Netflix things or something like that that they shoot here. I would love to do something like that, but mm. I never get sent for it. So now you have to put your um, your uh, profile and your uh, all uh, your uh, information online and mm. you have to constantly update your reel and mm. I have just haven't done that. It's on my list of things to do <laughs> but i i just uh, i'm still getting myself together for zoom I, yeah. I thank you so much for sharing all your stories with us today it was a thrill and an honor to be able to hear all of them listeners thank you for tuning in and make sure to come back next week when we are joined by a man who himself personifies broadway leroy reams he has appeared in Sweet Charity, Oklahoma, Applause, 42nd Street, The Producers, Beauty and the Beast, Lorelei, and more. He has also directed Carol Channing in Hello, Dolly, and played Dolly himself only a few years ago. He has also appeared in La Cajo Fall around the country and many times on screen, including in the film of Sweet Charity, so make sure to tune back in for that. Thank you.